The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This... It's 93.7 The Ticket. Look at me short. Look at me short. I'm the captain now. Three-time national champion Vershawn Jackson. Oh, got a bunch all alone is Vershawn Jackson. And Vershawn, he'll get it to the 24-yard line. Coming at you live from the Copple Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Presented by Wingstop, here he is, Vershawn Jackson. Ah, yeah! Yes, 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 yes. I almost fell asleep on that break, Nick. No more 15-minute breaks, Nick. You can't do that to me no more. It's the captain of the ticket, 93.7. I'm with Jared Tomich, two-time national champ, former New Orleans Saint. Jared, what, what was that? Was When you talk about this, your, your time with the Saints, how was New Orleans? That had to be a little culture shocker for you. Ooh, yeah, that was that was different. Well, you know, for me, <clears throat> that was a cool, you know, for, especially those first three years. That was pretty neat because that was when Coach Dicka was there. And, you know, growing up outside of Chicago, you know, the 85 Bears, I was 11 years old. So for me to go there with Coach Dicka, you know, and be his second pick um, in the first year that he was back, was was a huge deal and he and i you know had a great relationship when i was there continued that relationship you know um you know and 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 i still get a chance to see him every once in a while just because i'm still back in the area um but love him love love them but yeah new orleans itself yeah that is you know um definitely definitely a little bit different than uh, indiana and nebraska (laughs) (laughs) When you was at New Orleans, who you know, you talked a little bit about. I think Rofe, or and, and uh, uh, um, who was the guys uh, that you would say was that was game breakers? Well, defensively, I mean, we we had a really stout defense for a few years there um, with Wayne Martin, who was a you know Pro Bowler, Joe Johnson, Leroy Glover. I, mean, I had a I had a fantastic defensive line that I was that I was with there, and uh, you know so you know and and you know we had you know Sammy Knight you know in, in the backfield for us you know and and uh, you know and just really you know had a good had a good defensive squad I think two of my out of my first three years I think the first you know two of those seasons we were we were second or third in the league um, the one year we scored. I remember right, I think it was like 10 touchdowns. Uh, it was just unheard of. And, uh, and and we just could not kind of get our heads wrapped around our offense, you know, in those years and just struggled, struggled. I mean, I knew it was real. You know, in my career at Nebraska, you know, I lost three games, you know, in my, in my whole career. I lost three out of my first four pro- preseason games with the Saints. So that was a, that was a big culture shock. And just to see – even how guys reacted to losing, um, I would have never fathomed, you know, when I was at, at like, you know, at Nebraska. 
Yeah, that was my next question is what what are some of the differences between NFL ball and Nebraska ball at the time? Well, you know, it, the, it, and it took me a good year to really get the speed down. You know, it was because it is. The game's a lot faster in the NFL. Um, and playing against, you know, for me, great players, you know, um, you know whether that was, you know, the running backs that I had the opportunity to play against, just incredible, you know, with Barry Sanders and Emmett Smith and, and, you know, and just, you know, guys that, you know, were just, you know, it was just a great time to play. And the quarterbacks, you know, with Aikman and, and Elway and, and, you know, and, and going against you know, teams like the, the Cowboys were so stinking tough, you know, and, and to go against some of those, those, those giants that they had for offensive linemen, um, it, was, it was a big difference. It really was than, than what college was. And, and that's why I had to change my game, you know, compared to what, you know, what works in college does not work in the pros. So, you know, you really, you know, depending on the player, you really need to kind of, you know, sometimes change things up and, and be versatile enough to do that. Or, you know, I think a lot of that, a lot of times players aren't, you know, you really thinking that. And, and that's why they, you know, they either have shorter careers or, and then some players I've seen that, you know, are, you know, mediocre in, in college and then just absolutely explode in the NFL and become just these beasts, which is just, it's just amazing. You know, when, when you, when you're talking about uh, your black shirt, do you remember when you got that black shirt? Oh, for sure. Speak a little bit about what getting a black shirt meant to you. How did it happen and all that good stuff? Jared Thomas. You know, it was, it was, you know, with, with the black shirts, that was such a big deal. Um, again, there was so many things that were put in front of us that were goals to attain that had nothing to do with, you know, game day. It was all, you know, you know, inside, you know, inside the locker room, inside, you know, inside our own team. And the, the, the honor that it was to get a black shirt that you had become a leader on, on the, on a team, on the team and, and that you were, you know, you you were the best on the team that, that you were given that award, you know, of having the black shirt. And, and that was a, that was a big deal because we're all competing for that. That's what everybody, you know, everybody at the different positions, they're all competing, you know, as far as defense with, that's what we're competing for. And, and that, you know, kind of twofold, you know, it, it kind of let you know that, you know, you were on the verge of really becoming a good player by even getting the black shirt. But in the, in the same sense, it also meant that you have to, step it up because everybody who's worn that before you, you know, and, and, and you really have to have, you know, really put in, putting everything into it to, to honor, you know, the guys that have really, you know, created that before us. Do you ever remember missing spring ball? Missing like, like missing the whole spring game, spring ball, the game, everything. No. Yeah. Me neither. How important is spring ball? Well, spring so spring ball for me was giant because that's what that's where I catapulted from my you know after my redshirt year that next spring game and next, next spring ball was where I really was able to kind of come out of my shell and that's when I that's when that's when Coach Osborne then came to me and gave me a full ride for the rest of my time you know that's that was that was a pivotal point for me I, spring ball was awesome. I mean, it was such a, I mean, you grow so much in that and you have such an opportunity to show what, you know, what your potential is because once the season starts, you know, there, there's, you know, everybody's focused on, 
on the games ahead, you know, where spring ball is just focusing on self-development and team development, you know? So, I mean, I, I always thought the spring ball was, you know, it was fantastic because it was just the time to really hone in, you know, on, on what you, you know, what you needed to, to, to really get better at, even if it's just, you know, that one little thing each day that you walked off the field and, I, I, you know, I got a little better with my hands. They got a little, you know, this and that, you know, you're not focusing on that team that week you're focusing on yourself and, and also focusing on like for us, it was that you, we focused on our stunts, you know, we focused on, on, on how you gel together as a defense and, and same thing with, you know, with the offense, you know, you, you really, you, you got, everybody comes together really, really well in that time because it's just so many reps and, and you, you know, you know, you start to know how you're, how the guy next to you is going to play and what, how he's going to react to certain situations, and that just helps. That helps everybody to hold their assignment. And when you talk about techniques, we're talking uh, football. I'm talking to Jared Thomas because I'm, I want to ask you. Um, it seems to me that technique, meaning hand technique, hand fighting, is going out of the window because guys cannot get off of blocks. There's no push pull. You don't see rip moves. You you just don't see it, and and so, what was your go to move in college, and what was your go to move in the pros, and 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 do you think that that's a beginning to be a lost art? I, I it seems like it is, um, because you see so many guys that just and and like with Coach Samuel, why would I like you know I think the thing that he pushed push but why would you run down the middle of a man, why would you try to run down the middle of, take half the man. You always take half the man. Whatever your assignment is, you take half the man, and you work half the man. And 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 so you know, working on the edges and working on the corners, you know, of of the offensive lineman is you're going to get, you know, much further. You're going to be much more impactful, you know. And, and I think I watch, you know, I watch games now, and and these everybody runs right down the middle of each other. They arms straight out, you know. The, you know, there's just the you know where you shouldn't. You know, as an as a defensive guy, I shouldn't be, you know, projecting my hands until you know until that offensive lineman shoots them on me. Mm-hmm. I should be keeping my hands and you know to, to myself until that offensive lineman shoots, and and then once he does, then I can react. And and I don't think I don't see a lot of that. I don't see a lot of the the, the hand techniques. I don't see a lot of like you said the rips. You know, and 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 also doing the rips right. You know, it's not a matter of just hooking a guy under his armpit. You know, you're trying to get under him and get leverage. And and I don't I don't see a lot of the leverage game. I feel like that maybe I used to, um, in you know, in that in that our coaches taught. You know, everything was you know was leverage. Get up underneath the guy, use use your leverage, and and disrupt the play. Was it easier getting up underneath for you being six two like Grant? You know, six five, six six, whatever. But for you, six two, two seventy. You know, was it easier for you to go against the the college guy, or it, it, I know the answer to it, but I'm saying, did your technique change, and how did it change going against from a college to a pro guy? Yeah, it it changed immensely. You know, because in in college it was just a matter of of making them. You know, and, and you know, I use some of the same techniques in the pros too, but you know, getting them to move their feet as fast as they can get them out of their rhythm and then, and then either, you know, bowling them over, you know, uh, you know, using, using a rip move underneath, 
you know, and or just trying to get their, you know, their leverage, get up underneath their pads. Like, you know, like for me, my thing was trying to get up underneath everybody's pads. Grant's was different. Grant was taking the edges, you know, with, you know, with his, with his size, you know, he was able to grab guys, you know, darn near from the back of their shoulders and pull them and, 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 you know, and work around them. And, uh, and he, he mastered that. He was fantastic at it. And, and where, where myself, it was a matter of trying to get up underneath guys and just in just wearing them out, you know, just wearing guys out so that, you know, I was still making plays in the last quarters. How much did you learn from like the Dwayne Harris's, Dante Jones, those 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 guys that came before you? Oh, a ton. Between between Dwayne and Dante and Trev Alberts. Oh, yeah, Trev, that was, I mean, yeah. That's who that's who I was looking to and watching. And, you know, and, and uh, you know, I would um, everything for me too was film. Film, film, film. You know, I would sneak out of study hall at night and sneak up, you know, and the coaches would all be up there watching film, breaking stuff down, and I would sneak up there into the big room because nobody ever, and it was funny because nobody ever came in the big room, and, and I would watch film. I would watch film in the evenings, you know, when I didn't have, you know, it didn't, you know if I didn't have anything pressing school-wise, and I was constantly up there. And, and even to where I remember... As I got older, I was still watching film, watching film, watching film, and that's what I did in the pros too. Where you know that, that's when Coach Vermeil was commentating, and he you know he had a couple different games where he was commentating our games, so he would be up there and he would catch me watching extra film, and so we'd be watching film together because he'd be commentating that week before he got back into the league, mm. and uh, and so it was just you know trying to trying to get any improvement and any little nuance. Of, that you can find in another player, um, you know, that you can exploit during the game. It's just it, 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 every little advantage, you know, is, is what you need. Throwing up the fours. Remember when the fourth quarter came, we threw the fours up. You don't see it as much, and the teams that do do it don't stand on it. How right. important was <laughs> throwing up the fours? What did that mean to us, and why did we throw those fours up in the fourth well, quarter? Yeah, because it was because you're not letting up. You know, it's it's not about you know it's not coasting through the fourth quarter. It's it's every quarter we kept amping up our game and kept you know we would come in from halftime. We'd we'd make some changes. Third quarter hit, we'd amp it up. And then when the fourth quarter hit, we'd amp it up again. And and where other teams are on the downslide at that point, you know, we always felt like we were still you know making traction and and you know and, and what we were doing and our coaches did the same thing too you know they were still you know running schemes and 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 you know just game planning until until the very end of the fourth quarter so nobody you know no, nobody sat down and and just let the game go by you know it was it was you know we we kept pushing and again that's what we did in practice and you know we practiced how we play and that's why we practice in the cold that's why we practice in the rain you know that's why you know that's why we got after each other because that's the situations that were going to come up in a game, and we were all ready for. Ninety-four championship, we beat Miami. How gratifying was that? Beating those, you know what, talkers. Oh, it was it was huge because I mean it wasn't just them. It was you know the articles that were in Sports Illustrated and all the commentators. You know we in everybody's minds we were beat before we even got there. You know, and, and Coach Osborne, you know, we would get there early so that we could acclimate to the weather, which I think was brilliant, by the way. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they, they 
they took, I remember watching, they took like a week off in between the last part of the season and then preparing for a bowl game. It was like a week or 10 days they took off. And then I remember seeing them in the media and, and they were showing them just getting back at it. Well, we had already been down to Miami for a week, just going after each other in the heat. And, and it was just, it was those situations that we knew we could outwork them. And that's what coach Osborne. He just said, he goes, you know, he, you know, he said it the whole time. We're going to, we're going to outwork them. We're going to outwork them. Stick with the plan. We're going to outwork them. And we, and we did. You know, they talked all that stuff about the grass was supposed to slow us down and we're supposed, because we played on turf, but little do they know we didn't really, we, we, we had grass fields. Oh yeah. I mean, it wasn't like we just was on turf all day, all the time. We went down right. and we, we we got on the grass too. You know, they, what's the is there a difference as far as your motor and grass or on turf? Um, I don't. You know what? I always felt just a little bit faster on turf. I always felt like I just had that that little bit extra because. You know, because there was no slipping, there was no sliding, there was no, you didn't have to worry about traction. You know, I always, I really enjoyed playing on turf for the player that I was because I always felt like I just had, and and some of these things are probably the things that I created in my own head that this, you know, the things that would give me advantages. And for me, in my head, playing on turf always gave me an advantage because I just felt like I was just that little bit quicker off my first step. And that I would just hit that a little bit harder, and you know, opposed to it, it, the grass where you're where you're digging in. Does it really? I mean, no, it really is not a big big difference. Is the '95 championship team the best team in college football? It's you know, it's all arguable. You know, with with in and not knowing as uh, you know as much about other teams as as I you know probably you know should or could. Um, but we're definitely right there. Um, you know, I don't think there's many teams that have that have done that or been able to do that, or you know, or, or just we're, we're that dominating, you know, from the beginning to the end, and uh, and and had so much fun too. You know, we we were just you know, we were just having so much fun and and getting after it, and uh, and and there was just so many things that were going right. Um, it was great. It was it was just a great time to be there, and and we were all honored to be there at that time together. And that and that coach, the coaches, you know, put that team together at that time. When when you talking about when we talking about mentality, um, do you ever remember a game that you went into thinking we could lose? Yes. Uh, yeah. There was there was there was a few games like that. You know because. Those teams, you know, Coach Osborne, you know, talked about this all the time. For you know, for us, it was a it was a season game. It was always a big deal. But for other teams, they could really make their season and make their recruiting if they beat us. If they you know if they knocked us off the podium, that that's a game changer for you know for teams and organizations. So we got everybody's a game every week, and it was and I you know I remember. Iowa State was one. Um, Colorado was another one where it was always, you know, we, I mean, we, we went at it with Colorado always. I mean, that was always a tough drag out game. And, and it was those, those games that, you know, it was just making sure, you know, 
whether you know as a captain or or, or or not there yet, but just making sure that everybody was staying amped up, everybody was staying focused on you know and not not looking ahead to the next game, you know is, is was was a is, is a big deal, you know overall for for every team. Who was the nastiest crowd you played in front of? Colorado. They was just nasty, wasn't they? Oh, well, and they still they, at that point. Ugh. They they were still allowed to drink at the college facility. You'd smell like beer because the and you know the crowd was only like a car hood away from you. They were right on you, right on you. Yeah, I mean they it was I mean it was them and in college it was Colorado and the pros it was Los Angeles. It was the Raiders. Oh, the Raiders. Oh, you know and uh, but yeah but no Colorado they were just I mean they 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 really tried to. The fans really got after you. The tunnel walk. Why is that? When walking, how electric is that tunnel walk? What's that tunnel walk for us? For you? You know that that's that that's that moment before before it's go time when you really are you know getting yourself amped up, getting yourself excited. You know, and and just knowing that, you know, knowing what's coming up, you know, and 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 just the electricity that builds and and the excitement that builds from from doing going, you know, through the walk with your team, you know, and as we all do it, we go through that as a team, and and it's just a great reminder of, you know, what why we're there, what we're there for, what we're there to accomplish. We're all there to accomplish this together, and and that's that last moment before go time. Where we're all together, going through that, you know, going through the tunnel, and just and, and really, you know, that that family of us together, you know, right before we hit the gate. The transfer portal. What's your thoughts on that? You know, I I've heard a few people speak on it. Um, Jay Foreman was I, I I heard him speak recently on it, and he was fantastic. I was just really impressed with with what his, you know, what his outlook on it was. My, I guess one of my biggest questions is, or, you know, is, is how is it going to work is what's the dynamic going to be like in the locker rooms? And if you've got two or three guys on a team who are making money and, and, you know, and, and then, you know, they get that part of it and then they can just bump around. It, it's, you know, and they can go from, you know, from, one place to the next and there's no loyalty then it's you you're going to get that like the little bit of the pros syndrome in there where it's the me 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 and i can do what i want and there's no greater good that you're working towards so you know between you know the 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 paying players and the portal that they you know everybody can bounce around in um it just seems like it's going to make more animosity and division in the locker room than anything else. If, if, you know, and the guys in the NFL always complained that, you know, the teams aren't loyal to the players. So the players aren't loyal to the teams, you know, and, and, you know, in some cases that, that might be true, but again, it's, you know, it's a privilege for us to be there and nobody owes us nothing. Mm. And and that was you know Coach Osborne's mentality. That was Coach Dicka's mentality. That was Coach Vermeil's mentality. You know, with, with with some of the you know some of the incredible coaches that I had, and and you know, it's just it's a, it should be still revered as a privilege to be playing this 
I think it sets a bad precedence when you start paying players on potential in yep. in college. Because what happens, you pay a guy a couple hundred thousand, he gets in the building, and he's a soft batch cookie. Oh, <laughs> can you imagine? I mean, we would tear that person up. Or he could pay us. Which one? Give us right. some of the money. Give right. up to- Give us some of that money, and then we'll and, let you off the hook, or and, you won't make. We had a little bit of that. I mean, I, I don't know if you remember, but the kickers, the kickers kept my locker stacked with white chocolate, with white, you know, and and nobody ever bothered the kickers. <laughs> that was that was the way we rolled it in our locker room. Hey, nobody that... touches the kickers as long as my locker stays filled with white chocolate. Yeah, and they definitely wouldn't have touched them either. Hey, more Jared Thomas, the captain, the ticket, 93. Willie Miller is joining us. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.